Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, that it does renew our mind according to the Word. Thank you, Lord, tonight for our hearts being open and receptive to the Word. Thank you, Lord, tonight that we come in one way, we leave another. We come in, Lord, that we're a little bit immature, we leave a little bit more mature. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, we come in a little bit insecure, we leave a little bit more secure in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're going to help me to articulate the word tonight, that I'll say it with accuracy, with sanity, and with simplicity in the name of Jesus. Come on, everybody said amen. 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 I didn't bring my amen button. Hallelujah. <laughs> so y'all going to have to help me with the amen part tonight. Also want to welcome all those that will be watching by way of YouTube in the, in the time to come. I'm glad. I don't know if y'all do that. Do you ever go and watch YouTube and see somebody that's speaking? I like to. You don't? So YouTube is one of those pretty cool things you can do. So I'm just welcoming the YouTube congregation, online community. Did you know we also have an online church that's around the world with us? So we're saying also to the online community, God bless you guys. Second Peter chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse number 3 again, which says, As His divine power, this is New King James Version, As His divine power has given to us all things, everybody say all things, All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through what these? Through these great and precious promises, through the two specifically, of that of salvation and of that of the Holy Spirit, by these two great and precious promises that you received, he goes on to say that you through these you may be partakers, I I like to say it this way, that you have become, not my be, or maybe, but that you are, you have become a partaker or a participator, a partner with the divine nature, which how many knows it's not just something of yourself? Of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And then uh, from there, we're going to be diving into the rest of these uh, that's following verses five through eight. I'll read these real quick. Uh, It says, but also for this very reason, for what very reason? That we have become partakers of the divine nature, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So there's going to be, by way of of review, there's a couple of quotes that I want to put up for you. I recognize that last week I was on fire, hallelujah. And I I was talking fast and I was trying to get the contrast out of the way, hallelujah. So I had a couple of quotes. And so you can either take a picture of the quotes that's going to be up there for you, or I encourage you to write them down. Or if you have your notes from last week, you can get the partial where you got to and then he went, zoom, and you can catch up now and put the rest of it that's on the screen, hallelujah. So these are pretty cool. It says that these, these quotes are, the divine becomes partaker of the human in order that the human may partake of the divine. That's Alexander McLaren. And then the other one was by Edith Wharton, which I ended on this, said that there are two ways of spreading light, by the candle or the mirror that reflects the light. So one of the reasons that we look in 2 Corinthians and we are beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord 
then by doing that, I just wanted to land it for you that that means that you have that that becomes an inverted part of you as you're beholding, then you become, the Lord is still the light. So you that mirror that you're beholding, the glory of the Lord, then it causes you to be a reflecting part of that, of reflecting the light to others. I'll say it in simplicity. That once you learn of the Lord and once you know the Lord, and you're growing in your knowledge of the Lord, there should be that people recognize in you that it is the Lord that is in you, that you are a reflection of that. And so I love, I love that phrase by Edith Wharton that she said. So what we're going to be talking about tonight in the Word in this second part is these parts that, I don't know about you, but when I read these verses that has all these words strung together, I kind of get lost in it. There may be some of y'all that y'all, y'all hit a, a timeout and y'all stop and go, now wait, what is that word he just said? And you may do a study on it. Go down a road and get out commentaries and all that stuff. Or you're like me. You go, yeah, 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 yeah. So tonight, I was, as I was praying and seeking the Lord, I believe the Lord gave me this word for us tonight and for those that's watching, this word of what in the world do these words mean? So I'm going to slow down and talk about what these are. Listen, that these words are something that you're adding to your faith. Faith is the foundation. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. So it takes all of us having the foundation of faith that we have. But how many times have we heard and really realized that there's actually some words that we're supposed to be adding to that? And so in my early days of growing in the Lord, I saw it as building blocks. And I was like a kid sitting in a floor and I had all these building blocks, Lego, (laughs) hello, building blocks. It was around and I would have all these different things and be going, okay. But as I was praying about this, what I thought that was really cool that I got was the Lord showed me of how we think about it in our growing as believers and our growing up in the Lord, that these really are not things that get stacked around us, but it really is something that we build on the faith that is already foundation. I call it now the ladder And their first rung of the ladder that is going to be on that is this first word that I'll talk about. Then the next rung of the ladder becomes a second on and on as we're growing and as we're growing up in the Lord that we have these. When Peter said these words in your notes, Peter adds these seven Christian virtues, which he lists without explanation or without uh, description. He just gives these words. And I thought, how many Christians just blow through it and they don't even understand what the words are? Or maybe I'm, I'm a word nerd. <laughs> you know, I just, I want to find out, what, what's he talking about? What does that word even mean? So you got the picture. So the foundation of faith that we have, it is the ladder that these things are going to be on, these virtues. And the first rung is this first thing that he says. Now watch, watch. He says, listen, he says, the Holy Spirit will add this to your ladder. Is that what he said? Who's supposed to add this to your ladder? Oh, Jesse's supposed to add this to your ladder. <laughs> Who adds this to your ladder? Come on, say, you do. I do. You're the one that adds it. And yet many times we wait for somebody else to try to add the virtue to our ladder. Like the guy preaching. (laughs) And yet the Word says that we're supposed to be adding these virtues to it. Interesting fact also that I discovered. These, uh, these five, the first five virtues pertain to one's inner life and his relationship to God. And the last two virtues relate to others. So you got to know the first five steps in this is talking about adding to your relationship to the Lord. 
And these second two are talking about your relationship with others. So I call it, you have to go vertical before you go horizontal. And yet many times we are not thinking about our behavior. We're not thinking about ways that we treat people. We're not thinking about the vertical. We're thinking more about, I mean, the horizontal. We're thinking more about the vertical, right? And it's important, and Peter gives the emphasis upon these five things that we're doing that's going vertical, but we also have to have it in the horizontal as well. So I'll say this way. If you don't learn how to one another, one another on the earth while you're growing up in the Lord, when you get to heaven and you get there and you experience heaven, one of the things that will happen, I believe, and it's not in the Bible, it's teriology, but I believe what will happen when you get to heaven, if you don't learn how to one another here on the earth, when you get to heaven, you'll learn how to one another. And part of that, I, have to believe, I just have to believe it, is going to be a Bible college. Might even have Karis on the name, Sister Mary. <laughs> and there'll be people in Bible college teaching you, because when you get to heaven, you won't be a know-it-all. Scripture says you'll know in part, even as you are known. You don't know everything. So you get to learn some more things. Isn't that wonderful news? Good news. So when you get there, there'll be, a, there'll be Bible college professors, and Dr. Terry Brown will be one of those professors. <laughs> I'm kidding. So what is a virtue? <laughs> what is a virtue? A virtue is defined as moral excellence or behavior showing high moral standards. That's what a virtue is. It's not just a word. A virtue is a trait or a quality that is deemed to be morally good and thus is valued as a foundation of principle and of good moral being. In other words, it is a behavior that shows high moral standards and that simply means doing what is right and avoiding what is wrong. If we could get that little phrase down of it, I'm just going to do the right thing and avoid the wrong stuff. I'll add a word to it. Not only not trying to do the wrong stuff, but if you do the wrong stuff, have enough faith foundation to apologize for it. Not just let it ride. Well, I'll do better next time. Now, how about we, we work on the other part since we're talking about two of these or the horizontal parts, how we behave, how we operate, how we do all this stuff. So the, I like doing the opposites because many times if we talk about the one thing, we don't talk about the opposite of what that might look like, then we also don't get the full impact of what it is we're supposed to be learning. Interesting word coming up on the screen about this part. The opposite of virtue is vice. Hmm. Anybody ever watch... Don Johnson? <laughs> Talked a little bit about Miami Vice. Hallelujah. Well, this is not Miami Vice, but this is talking about <laughs> vice. So what is vice? If the opposite of virtue is vice, it, it is the practice, the behavior, or the habit that is generally considered immoral, sinful, criminal, rude, taboo, depraved, degrading, deviant, or perverted in the associated society. By the way, if you don't know what in the world that means, there's a reason we have a dictionary. And a dictionary is, is it puts everybody, every human on the same level that we're all agreeing to our standard in society or we talk like this, we use these kind of words. That's why when things get woke or twisted or that's not what it really means, it can also affect society. It can affect us because they change the terms. It's like the old saying, guys, is where the, that somebody moved the goal on the football field. 
What are we doing moving the goalposts? It always should be the goalpost is in the same spot. I've seen colleges that actually tear them down. That's messed up. <laughs> but you don't go moving the goalposts. How would you like that in the, in, the, in the NFL when they start playing the Super Bowl that the first thing that you notice is that somebody moved the goalposts? They don't do that there. So the dictionary helps us with where we keep our language at. Vices are usually associated with the transgression in a person's character or temperament rather than their morality. That's how they are. So let's dive in. See how I am on my time. I'm doing good. So uh, one more scripture I thought about. James chapter 4 verse 7 also gives that definition of go vertical before you go horizontal. It says it this way. In James 4 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now watch, many times though, in our trying to grow in the Lord, we do the opposite. We start resisting God and start submitting to the devil. We don't push back on the thoughts. We don't push back on the wrong thing that was spoken and suggested into our mind. We don't resist it. So I'm setting that goalpost back straight. We are to submit to God first, resist the devil second, and he'll hang around and keep bothering you. Is that what it says? No, it says and he'll flee from you. One time in the message, I said it like this. We need to give the devil the fleas. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's bugging us. Y'all ever watch a dog just eat up with fleas? I mean, eat up with them? So what do they do? Just lay around and just, there they are? No, they scratch and they scratch. I used to have an uncle that, I don't know why I'm telling the story, but it's a good one. I used to have, have an uncle that had uh, coon dogs in Alabama. And so I love going to, to his house because you would hear the, the coon dog out behind the house. And they don't really bark, they bay, yeah. right? Yeah. Somebody help me. What does bay sound like? Oh. Thank you. <laughs> we have some experience in the house tonight. <laughs> exactly right. And I love that. So even when they do the scratching and they're trying to take care of the fleas, they bay and scratch, bay and scratch. I don't know about y'all, but that'd be hard to go to sleep. Go to visit Uncle Ralph's house, and you've got these dogs out there scratching and baying. So then I go to Grandma's house. She lived about five miles down the road. Go to Grandma's house. And then he, he found out about that one year, and he built a pen behind Grandma's house, and he divided the dogs and had half an hour. That's messed up. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the sermon other than it was just a good story. So let's go. Verse number five of our text tonight says, but also for this very reason. For what very reason? For what I talked about last time. For the very reason of us being partakers of divine nature by two precious and exceeding promises. For this very reason, giving all diligence means that we need to make every effort is what giving all diligence means. We not be just sheepish about thinking about it or passive about thinking about it. We need to pay attention to some things. And so this is important of what we're supposed to giving all diligence or make every effort to do this. So he goes on to say what that is in the next part. He says, add to your faith, first word he gives, faith is foundation, or bring it alongside, let it work with what you're doing. He says, add to it virtue. And virtue in the New International Version is the word goodness or moral excellency. We're adding something to faith. We're adding goodness to it and moral excellency. How many of you know that, we can be honest also tonight, how many you know that we all need to grow a little bit in moral excellency, don't we? So we're checking that and, and making sure with that. 
We're bringing it alongside. All oh, that's really good. Oh, the symphony orchestra. I forgot about that one. I played in a symphony orchestra a few times back in my, in my younger years. And I remember that in that symphony orchestra that we had, they asked me if I would play the rhythm guitar. Remember me talking about playing the rhythm guitar? Remember me talking about learning by Loretta Lynn songs? <laughs> so I had to grow a little bit since that guitar playing time. But I remember that we had a symphony orchestra, and, and they, had the, they had the fiddles, oh, excuse me, the violins. <laughs> fiddles as if you're doing hoedown and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Fiddle if you're playing in a symphony. And she plays a fiddle, right? I see. <laughs> Setting the record straight. Not moving the goalposts. She plays a violin. And she also sings opera, which I'm still waiting on, by the way. I heard her say that one time. Waiting for a demonstration. But not tonight. So, playing in a symphony orchestra. And so, I remember, and just, this made me think about this also, how important this is with the additions of things. We had a, a front line of fiddle violin players. And then we had a second line behind that, and they call those people second fiddle. And I learned something that night that I'm going to teach you. That's why this is important about why you have to have all these words that's added to all these things. Because they said, the guy with the baton, he said, you got to understand the most important players tonight, and he pointed me, the most important players tonight that is in this symphony is, and then he pointed at the second row of fiddle violin players. And I thought, man, I'm disappointed. I'm not the, I'm not the guy that really is going to hold this thing together. It's going to be somebody else. And he said, second fiddle. Then he said this, I never forgot it. He said, because when you have harmony, the second fiddle are the ones that brings the harmony to the sound. So all these things that we're about to add to our faith tonight is going to add a symphonic sound in the spirit that adds harmony that we have. You can't have harmony by yourself. And so you can't have just that tone and that sound by yourself. You have to have, add something to that faith and these things. So welcome tonight. I want to congratulate you. Every one of you people are second fiddles. <laughs> Violins. <laughs> so you, to this virtue then, we add this, uh, this moral goodness. We add knowledge. And this word comes not from intellectual pursuits or a mental state, but from spiritual knowledge, which comes to the Holy Spirit and is focused on the person of Jesus and the Word of God. I'll say it in simplicity. You have to have this Word about knowledge, which is causing you to grow in your knowing. And I like to say it this way, since it's a spiritual Word, that you're growing in your knower. You're growing in your knower. In other words, though your spirit is perfect, there still has to be some growing in that. So we're growing in our knower, and this word is, is coupled with that. So we're adding to that this ability to focus on the Lord and focus upon the Word and causing this growth in us. Verse number six, to knowledge you add self-control. To knowledge you add self-control. A believer must make, must make every effort to practice self-control. Can I get a witness? Every effort, we've got to make it to that. This means to have one's passions under control. And to self-control, you're to add perseverance, or some translations say you add patience, that you're in your staying under control. You are also to have your emotions bridled or harnessed. Amen. Not dead to them, but you are supposed to have your emotions bridled or harnessed as well. Now, since I'm saying this to you, and you are to bridle your emotions, who's the one that has the reins? 
Thank you. Does anybody ever try to take your reins away from you? Does the devil ever try to take your reins away from you? Does the devil ever try, Pastor Sand, does the devil ever try to put a burr under your saddle? Don't look at your partner, but does your husband or wife ever try to put a burr under your saddle? Amen. I didn't, I'm not looking. Does your teenagers ever try to put a burr under your saddle? Does your children? Come on, parents. So who's in control of the reins? Your children, the teenagers, your spouse? Who is? You are. And so you have to have the understanding of when you give enough rain or not enough rain, especially since we're talking about children for just a moment, teenagers. You do recognize that they all go through stages. And by going through stages, sometimes we try as parents to not let our kids be kids. And sometimes we try to make our kids be adults when they're not adults. So I like to call it the Goldilocks of the Spirit. We just need to do where it's not too hot, not too cold, but just right. Amen. Not too much rain. Not too much pull. Whoa. (laughs) We ought to let kids have fun. And we ought to be able to grow up and handle the tougher stuff in life as well. Amen. So one of the biggest things I hear in my heart now about putting a burr under a saddle is that it is never an intention, except from the devil to do that, it's never an intention for somebody else to put a burr under your saddle. But here's a good word. So before you try to rein in your emotions and bridle your emotions, take a quick look under the saddle. It's not rocket science. What is lighting you up? And by the way, if a person gets lit up and their hair's on fire, you're not going to be able to reason with them. A little bit of counseling. You have to, first of all, put out the fire. (laughs) Then you can talk to them. But if you're trying to talk and they're all lit up and on fire, they're not going to listen to you. Amen. All right. So part of that then is learning this about self-control and perseverance. It says, you're to add perseverance. Staying then, it is frequently used in the New Testament to refer to constancy, perseverance is, or to steadfastness or endurance in times of adversity without giving in or giving up. And I've noticed many times in life that when we're going through a tough situation, that's one of the first things that we have a tendency to do is give up or just give out. So part of this, with you having control of the bridle, it's you that you have the option. And listen, listen, nobody can make you give up but you. Nobody can. Hallelujah. I already feel the growing in the house tonight. Growing up in the Lord. So to perseverance then, we're supposed to add godliness with the next word. And godliness refers to piety or a man's obligations of reverence towards God. That's what we're working on, on those as well. Godliness. Verse number seven, to godliness, we add brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness means a fervent, practical caring for others. It is a concern for others' needs. Brotherly kindness. Anybody get anything out of the Word tonight? Thank you. So the next part of that verse in verse seven says, and which... I remind you, is a conjunction junction that ties two completed thoughts together. So it's going on to brotherly kindness, 
you add love. And the word love here is the Greek word agapen, which is desiring the highest good for others. Think about that for a second. As we're growing in the Lord, are we desiring the highest good for others? Verse number 8 says, For or because if these things are yours and abound, if you possess these spiritual qualities, if they belong to you, think about that for a second. If these things belong to you, if I have these as a part of my ladder, if I have these as a part and not pick and choose one and not the other. If I have all of these things that I have and it belongs to me that the Lord's given to me, and if they abound, which means they are held in increasing measure, they keep giving and giving and we keep growing and growing. When we get stuck in our knowing, it's because we're not abounding. Why am I stuck? Why am I the same yesterday, today, and forever? Trying to be like Jesus. No, He's the only one that can be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not us. We have to change. And we have to grow. And part of that growing is not just by learning from the things that we mess up on, but learning about the good additions of things that we can add to our lives so we can continue to grow. I love the next part. It says, out of all these things, He says, And if you do all these things, if you add these steps in your letter, if you keep growing in your knowledge, you keep growing in your walk with the Lord, then he says, you will neither be barren, which means useless, or ineffective, which means idle. You will be progressing and growing. You keep growing and going. So if you have these things, he said, you'll keep growing and going. Okay? Then he says, next part, he says, You will also uh, be nor unfruitful, which means unproductive, which means no signs of bearing fruit versus others can see it. And that's one of the greatest testimonies you can have in your growing in the Lord is that others can see that as well. Okay. And then the last part of this verse says, while we're growing and all of these things in, where is this ladder actually taking us to in this last part? in our relationship with the Lord that we have. And remember, it goes then horizontal. It grows. And so it says in this, that in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I wrote three things for us, that will grow in His personal knowledge, in our personal knowledge of Jesus, in our knowing Him. How many want to have more personal knowledge of the Lord? That you want to grow in your knowing Him. Amen. No, It's one thing to know about that it's just one of the things that we do. It's another when you really are growing in your knowledge of the Lord. And then second thing I said was um, about it being a maturing, I'll just read this part. A maturing, growing, being transformed Christian is both effective and productive in their understanding of the Lord Jesus and in application of biblical principles to daily life. That's a mouthful. It's in simplicity. We need to be growing in our knowing and growing in the application of it. That's why it's important to have application of what we're talking about. If I read all these words to you tonight, and didn't give you words of how, what they mean or how to apply it, how's it going to help you, right? You'll be like me. You just read through it real quick and not really understand what they're talking about. So, hallelujah. I made the list with one more statement. Christian growth results in spiritual effectiveness and productivity. It's effective and we know it's working when we're growing in spiritual effectiveness and it is productive. It's making a difference. It's making a difference. So with all these things, I got 
a couple more quotes I want to give you, and then I want to end on a story. This first quote says, and I'll have it long enough for you guys to get it, let, and I made this as a part of a prayer when I heard this, let our converted hearts, let our converted hearts tell our renewing minds what to say. Robert Moore said that. Because you do know that you do have a heart that has been converted, it's been saved. God gave you a new heart at salvation. So to make it, a, and did you know, by the way, that your heart also thinks? It's not just your head that thinks, but your heart also thinks. I don't have enough time to go through the parts. But in this, listen one more time. Let our converted hearts tell our renewing minds what to say. Because in your soul, in my soul, this is what's going on. We all have a mind that tells us what to think. We all have emotions that tells us what to feel. And we all have a will that tells us what to desire and what to decide upon. Now think what I just said of how much, do we ever have any trouble with our spirit versus with our soul? That thing is trying to think and all those things. So if the thing that is converted is our heart and it's working on that unrenewed mind part of us to make it more renewed. And so when I broke it down the other night and said, so it's what we're thinking it's what we're feeling. It's what we're desiring or what we're deciding upon that can be problematic. So we need a converted heart, a heart after the Lord to work on addressing those things in our life. Second set of quotes was from Jubilee. This guy said these things. He said, I wore a size nine and a half shoe with a size 11 foot. Y'all remember that was so funny. I love that illustration. His mother told him, because you have flat feet, you're just going to hurt all the time. And so he never got measured, remember, by his feet. <laughs> he just wore his nine and a half shoes. And so when that salesman said to him, you know what? We need to measure that foot and see what you have. No, no, I know what it is. It's a nine and a half. It's always been a nine and a half. He said, can I please just measure your foot? Remember? And they put that scale on his foot, and it wasn't a nine and a half. It was 11. And when he actually put on a size 11 shoes for the first time, his feet didn't hurt. <laughs> I thought, i got to remember this. i just got to keep this and bring this before us sometime. That's a great word. How many of y'all <laughs> are going around wearing nine and a half shoes? And you just need to get measured. <laughs> See what you have. Do you have 11s? Hallelujah. I'm not talking about physical shoes here either. We have some things that we treat in life the same way. We've been having, living a nine and a half life. And there needs to be a conversation. Let the word align us, our converted heart align us to. Come on, why don't you put on the right kind of shoe? Put on the right kind of spiritual garment, right kind of thinking. Instead of stinking thinking, hallelujah. Number two, every change begins with an ending. Some things have to die before you can start again. Billy Eberhardt also said that. Number three, we can mistake a level of discomfort as God not telling us to do something. Yeah, I see you thinking about it. We can mistake a level of discomfort as God not telling us to do something. See, I'm uncomfortable about that. Oh, listen, listen, and it's, I'll, I'll help you. I, I'm just not comfortable doing that. I don't think it's God. And sometimes we blame it on the discomfort so we, we don't want to grow and we don't want to go. So we call it discomfort. 
I'm not comfortable about that. And yet, come on guys, even if you work out and all those things in the gym and all that stuff, is it the next one day, second day, third day that you just feel real good about that workout? <laughs> Remember, there's a saying in Nautilus, I heard one time, it's, it's this, no pain, no gain. There has to be this, if there's going to be growing, there's got to be stretching. In our spirit, we've got to be stretching and we've got to be growing up, not taking things on the chin personal, not getting easily offended. Is this helping anybody? That we don't get offended so easily about things. Last one by Billy Epperhart. When God brings water to the bay, Pastor Austin said this a couple of times already, it raises all of the boats to a new level. So whatever the Lord is doing in our house, whatever the Lord is doing in Victory Life that's causing this growth and it's causing water to come, I don't know if you sense it, causing water to come into the bay, that's not just for the leaders' boats to go up. It's for all of our boats to go up. So when I'm talking tonight about growth and growing in the Lord and adding things so that we can all grow up and we can become stronger in the Lord and more mature in the Lord, it's not just about the leaders. It's not just about the life group leaders we're talking about. It's not talking about just that. It's talking about that all of us, all the boats get to rise when the water comes into the house. And I don't know about y'all, but man, I sense that water is coming into the house. That water is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit and oil is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I sense that there's something, Pastor Stan, there's something happening. The water level is rising in the house so that all of our boats can rise. So listen, so going into next, this maybe this is a New Year's message. So going into next year, you better get ready. T.D. Jakes, you better get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> because the boats are rising in the house. Hallelujah. If you've got a hole in your boat, you need to get it fixed. Praise the Lord. Also with your boat, don't fight the winds. Learn to adjust your sails to it. Don't fight the wind. Adjust the sails to where we're going. I don't know where we're going with this. Well, sometimes you just got to hang on and just adjust the sails as you're going. All the sails as we're going. All the boats. I, just, I almost hear it prophetically tonight in the house about that about that the Lord wants every one of us in this time and in the years that's coming that we all go to a new level of growing. Even the, even the application I'm giving about a ladder, that's talking about going up someplace, going to a higher place in the Lord, going to a higher place where we hear the Lord and the Word more easy. Somebody told me on my way in tonight, they said, um, I remember Pastor Dwayne preached this sermon one time and he said this word. Actually, I think it was Texoma Days. I said, okay, and they said this saying, if we could just even get to the place in our house that we use the phrase from the Bible, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we're positioning, we're preparing of how we're going to grow to receive, not just look beyond the man, look beyond the person, but preparing our hearts that we're receiving a word from the Lord. What he's saying to us, well, that's a great word, isn't it? Yeah. Hallelujah. So, amen. <laughs>